0: You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham.
1: Episode 219, covering In the Pale Moonlight and His Way with Gav Brown. My friends, it is time for what I think most, if not all of us, agree is the best episode of DS9, possibly the best episode of Star Trek ever. I would agree best with that, yes. Star Trek ever. Yes, and yep. naturally, Gav has jumped right on it and said, Yes, I, I want to do that one. <laughs> so welcome back,
2: Gav. Because I'm an idiot. Uh, hello. Art, <laughs> well,
1: only in the sense that you're the one who has to make jokes about this. Yeah, huh? D- Oh jokes. Right,
3: okay. Yeah. Now, it, it could be jokes. far beyond the stars. Yes. The least humorous episode ever written. Uh
1: this one's pretty close though. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable and Gav, uh no pressure, but this better be a great summer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it yeah. Good thing I didn't <laughs> write in the last five minutes. No, of course not. <laughs> in
1: fact I I usually get to read along in, in the document we have and it's not in there, so uh and it's been this is all going to be us. new to us. Wait,
2: it's yeah. not? No. So, uh, right, I'm ready. Everyone's dying. It's war. Cisco's mad as hell and he isn't going to take it anymore. So he vows to do whatever it takes to get the Romulans in on the war against the Dominion. As it happens, Mr. Whatever-It-Takes is just a simple tailor on the station. He says <laughs> he'll get the Romulans into the war. All he'll need is a holosuite, a famous director, all the peppers he can eat, <laughs> and that man's leg. <laughs> <laughs> Sisko gets in the holosuite and the non-union equivalent of a a director. Mm. Garrick writes a flawless version of a Dominion war meeting featuring Wayun and not too many strippers. (laughs) The recording is put onto a data rod. Next, a Romulan ambassador is invited to the station and given the rod. Garrick wanted to give him the rod, but alas, couldn't. (laughs) The, The Romulan sees it's a fake in seconds and leaves in a huff. Fortunately, the Romulan shuttle explodes and all signs point to the Dominion. Sisko was annoyed that Garak killed them all, but the Romulans entered the war. So that's alright. Isn't it? <laughs> He's okay with this. He's yeah. okay with this. I can live with this.
3: I can uh, live with this. Yeah. I can Which
2: is, which is what he says at the end of the episode twice. Yep. Uh huh. But he should that should've that should have lasted five minutes. It should have. <sighs>
1: The thing is, the framing device for this is sort of unique in that it's Cisco, like, doing a captain's log, but we see him doing it, and he's talking to the camera. Yeah,
0: Yes, directly and, to the camera. Yeah,
1: which makes it 50 times more intense already, mm-hmm. because rather than a voiceover while things are happening, he's just talking to you.
3: Yep. Yeah. Hey, buddy, and guess he, what he I said, got up to? Murder! Yeah.
2: <laughs> Most foul. <laughs> and he says he can't tell anyone else about it. Nope. Right. He can't even tell Dax, in fact, he says.
1: Well, that's and that's why he says it out loud once and then deletes it when he's finished. Yeah. Like he's he's got to get it off his chest, but nobody can ever actually know.
3: Uh, unfortunately, Garrick has a copy. Was,
2: of course, <laughs> you I know, was, just I just, just in it, case. I, yeah, I just put it on a data road. Yep. Uh
3: huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so where to even begin? This is by far like the darkest I think Star Trek has ever gotten, yep. and we all just love it so much.
3: This is everything I love about DS Nine: this backdoor, shady political dealings and assassinations, and. Mm-hmm. Shaking hands with Garrick.
1: Shake hands with
3: Garrick.
1: <laughs> well, and really, my good thing, uh, well, what I wrote was, uh, all of it? <laughs> yeah. But really, it's, with all the complicated stuff that's going on, it's essentially just, let's have Garrick and Sisko being the most Garrick and Sisko and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the first time these two, like, the best characters on the show... Are just sort of put together and set loose to do their thing, and it's so fantastic. Yeah, like if you're gonna get Garrick involved in your espionage plot, of course this kind of thing's gonna happen.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's oh,
3: so. It's good. oh god, it's the best just ever. Yep. I I love, and it's just the way Garrick just sort of strings Cisco along for this entire episode too. Yep. It's just like, oh, no, I have a plan that might work, but it probably won't. Oh, it didn't work. Well, that's fine, because I have a backup plan that actually will... Oh, that didn't work. Well, I just killed the guy, and that was my plan all along. Please don't punch me in the face. It's how I make my livings.
1: Ow, my face! Ah.
3: yeah, You cracked my my spoon.
2: (laughs) Which is a top-rated sitcom over in in Cardassia. (laughs) You cracked my spoon?
3: Yes. (laughs) The state says that you will love it. Yes. (laughs)
1: Not the comedy troupe, the state. The actual state. Yes.
2: (laughs) The state gives it five stars. Right.
3: (laughs) And so will you. That's what
1: that TV, whenever we see the exterior shot of a Cardassian city, that's what that TV is telling you.
3: Yep. You guys know what's (laughs) hilarious? The state.
2: Because we told you so. Mm -hmm. The state also likes the sitcom that they sketch show, The State. Right. (laughs) Coincidentally. I want to dip my balls in it, Doctor, <laughs> <laughs> and he does. I really I, wish I this do, I was
3: love... I really wish this wasn't the fifteenth time I'd heard that from you today
1: <laughs> this really low like this this crosses a lot of lines, and to me it takes Cisco into a place that that Kirk and Picard never would have gone like this very definitively says this is how Cisco is different from those guys, yeah yeah
2: he's, the, the, he's willing the, to cross these lines, well, the Picard of the first duty would never have understood this at all, no,
3: not yeah. at all,
1: No, and even Kirk the big cheater would have drawn the line at like assassinations yeah,
3: but they've all neither of them have also really ever gone to war. I mean no, this for, yeah. like Kirk was in a cold war with this like with the Klingons and the Romulans, but the, he, he very rarely had to do war stuff. he was always out doing his exploring thing, right. Like now, Cisco's smack dab in the middle of this thing. This is, these are the kind of hard decisions he has to make.
1: It absolutely is, but I like I say, I feel like even in this situation, neither of those guys would have done that. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we we've definitely established Cisco as his own guy for a while now, but there's always sort of common ground. But here's where he's completely yeah
3: this on is, his own. This is stuff that like they would both just be utterly disgusted by him doing. Yeah, like this the closest may- we. Sorry Probably
2: sorry. I was just gonna say the closest we've probably seen is Picard in yesterday's Enterprise episode.
3: Right. Where
2: he's, But that was, uh, at, where, least, that but was he's at least that was at least with
1: the knowledge that history would change and everything would be okay again.
2: Yeah. But that yeah, but that that was the darkest we've seen one of the others mm, true. before this. Right. Yeah. And and even then I don't think he would have No. You know, gone to this extreme.
1: No, because the thing is, what's at stake is if the Romulans actually found out what was going on, things could get 50 million times worse. Like, then the Romulans would join the war on the Dominion side. Yeah. And the Federation would be completely fucked.
3: Yeah, like, going from being just, a pa- like, passive and letting them, uh, you know, yeah. use their borders to, like, actually being... Like, you do not want to fuck around with the Romulans. They are very good at war.
1: No, there's only a handful of like, really powerful forces in the Alpha Quadrant. You got the the, the Federation, the Cardassians, the Klingons, and the Romulans. I think that's it. Mm. Yeah. All the other guys are there, but they're not as big. Yeah. And so you already have the Klingons and the Federation on one side, the Cardassians siding with the Dominion, and the Romulans are sort of the undecided. Mm. You don't want them on on the other side. That would be
2: very, very bad. So, yeah. Uh, Gav, what was your good thing? My good thing was the bit that you didn't take. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yes. <laughs> Seriously, uh, just all of it. I love that Beta Z one of the good things but Beta Z was uh, was fell to the Dominion basically. Mm-hmm. It was it's we've never really had a planet that's so significant within the Federation yeah, that was taken by in the Dominion.
3: The, yeah, early something would was... someone we'd actually heard of.
1: Right, yeah, that was our big "oh fuck, this is getting really
2: serious" moment at the beginning,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it only took them like eleven hours to <laughs> t- take over Beta Z, which is hardly a surprise. Well,
3: they were all out having sex. Yeah, I mean
1: they're they're <laughs> they're a, a peace loving, you know, orgy people. Yeah, who, uh, don't probably. No, they have talk a, about a military.
3: how they talk about how the defenses were like really low on Beta Z and stuff. It's like that is a planet that doesn't really like. It's a very, that won't happen to us type planet. Right. Oh, come on, we're uh, Beta Z. We're good people. No one's gonna conquer us.
1: Well, plus, apparently, like, I don't know the geography of it, but it sounds like, the way they described it, they're pretty deep inside the Federation. Like, mm-hmm. like, they said, once they took Beta Z, it's not too far a jump for them to take the Andorians, the Vulcans, and then Earth. Like, like mm-hmm. they're, they're closing in on, on the center of, of the Federation. They're not out in the outskirts anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's particularly scary because beta z is like sort of not a founding member but definitely like a you know like one of the key members a
3: main character from another series used to live there right and a main and a main character's mother from a from a different series <laughs> and occasionally this series currently lives there yep probably they- Apparently
1: the writers talked about it being Vulcan mm-hmm. and then they decided that would be a step too far to threaten Vulcan. Oh but, yeah. Uh, we can't let
3: anything bad happen to Vulcan. That would be
1: <laughs> That was my thought exactly. Uh-huh. But yeah, that was that was quite good.
3: Not not Vulcan.
1: <laughs> not Lenny. They're the Lenny of the Alpha. <laughs> <thing.
3: laughs> Just so relieved that Vulcan's okay. <laughs> well,
1: well uh, that's what was probably a good thing.
3: Uh I love uh, Vrenak the Romulan Senator that comes to uh that comes to visit so Cisco can convince him that uh that uh the Dominion are actually preparing to attack uh the Romulans. Mm-hmm. He if from the second he shows up he is just so fucking shitty. I love him. He the first yeah. thing he does is list everything Cisco ever did wrong. Yep. There's, so,
1: Benjamin Cisco. Yeah. This guy who did these things.
3: He, he, he started also, the Dominion like point, War.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that yeah. was how he, that was his punchline.
3: <laughs> the guy who started all yeah. this. Oh, and didn't you didn't you also start the Dominion War? Well, I mean, there's mitigating <laughs> factors in there, but uh, uh-huh. <laughs> he's also I'd like to I'd like to point out the first Romulan to ever come to the to ever come to a Star Trek episode and go to his quarters instead of. Oh going, yeah,
1: they're usually like, no, let's just get there's down no the time
3: for that. That's a good point. No, there's a great there's a great scene where um they're uh they they discuss they're talking over uh Romulan ale or as the Romulans put it ale. And yeah. um he does this thing where he's sort of comparing like uh the replicated Romulan ale to uh what is happening in the scene right now mm-hmm. that I really really like. Yep. It's like you know, it I almost almost believed this was real for a second, but uh, then it was gone. Anyway, what were you saying, Captain?
1: <laughs> no, he's got a great like he's because I mean all the Romulans are super arrogant. Mm. That's sort of the defining trait. But he takes it to a whole other level. He's he's arrogant and he's mm. also deliberately on the like the different side. Like, yeah. The whole point is, Garrick says this guy is the most like fiercely anti-Federation guy. You convince him, and everyone will follow. Yeah. So he's not just he's not just sort of base level adversarial. He is actively against Cisco. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's, and that's what makes him even better. Yeah, it's and it feels like he only came to this meeting like just so he could have a couple of minutes to just poke at Cisco. Yeah, and that's like, oh, you actually have something to tell me.
1: I also like the secretiveness of like him, like coming to the docking ring, like you can't see it because it's it's cloaked. The little shuttle that he's in, it's like a Romulan version of a runabout, mm. I think. And then they bring it below decks, and then, then it decloaks. Like, that's just, I don't know, that's a nice little detail. Like, nobody knows he's there that right. way. Right. And, you know, and that's all part of Garrick's master plan. No one knows he was there, so when it blows up, they can't prove that anyone had anything to do with
3: exactly.
2: it. Exactly. So, he's a genius.
1: He is. Oof. And you do, you, you really realize, like, the, 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 there's a couple of acts end with, oh god, the plan's gone wrong. But then at the end, you realize no, everything that went wrong was supposed to go wrong per Garrick's plan.
3: All part of the plan, Doctor. I mean, Captain. I mean, Major. Wait, who am I again?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just just a simple (laughs) tailor.
1: Gav, you pointed out that uh, this is the first time we've seen Garrick in quite a long time.
2: Yeah, it's been ages, but I really have missed him. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I don't know. To be honest, the the show is so good that I hadn't realized he hadn't been in it for a while, really, until I saw him in this episode. Well, I knew he was in this episode, but I saw him and I thought, wait, I, we haven't actually seen him in, in ages. Yeah. Well, we're
1: we're completely even... in this era now where the, the extended cast, like just about every character they have in this 20 or 30 person cast is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 easy to enjoy yourself without actually seeing him, yeah. but, but it's still a delight to see him. Oh, he's the best
2: character in this.
3: Oh yeah, easily.
1: Yep, and like I say, these are to me the two best guys of this entire show. And just putting them together, like making a Cisco and Garrick episode, mm-hmm. it's just so like. There's a scene toward the end where you know Cisco uh, uh, punches Garrick, and then the two of them are kind of yelling at each other, and it's just perfect. Another great
3: just... fucking scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's,
1: that's the thing. Oh, Mike, well, Ooh. ah, well,
3: what do you got?
2: If not all of it,
3: <laughs> <laughs> maybe not all of it.
2: No, well, just let's, yeah.
1: Let's let's hear what you do have. Yes, that's.
3: If you can allow your anger to subside for a moment, you'll see that they did not die in vain. The Romulans will enter the
2: war. There's no guarantee of that. Oh, but I think that there is. You see, when the Tashiar finishes examining the wreckage of Renax shuttle, they'll find the burnt remnants of a Cardassian optolithic data rod which somehow miraculously survived the explosion. After painstaking forensic examination, they'll discover that the rod contains a recording of a high-level Dominion meeting at which the invasion of Romulus was being planned. And then they'll discover that it is a fraud! Oh, well, I don't think they will because any imperfections in the forgery will appear to be a result of the explosion. So, with a seemingly legitimate rod in one hand, and a dead senator in the other, I ask you, Captain, what conclusion would you draw? That Vrinak obtained the rod on Sukhara, and that the Dominion
1: killed him to prevent him from returning to Romulus with it precisely it, it is a fantastic scene, and those two are such great actors, and you usually see them sort of indirectly interacting, mm. like I say, you don't get a lot of Cisco and Garrick together because they're so intense, and usually it's just easier to you know to to pair them up with somebody a little more grounded, yeah, but uh it still really works, oh, so good yeah. <laughs> um. So my bad thing. This is going to be the only time I do this. I don't have a bad thing. Didn't pick one. Yeah. Not gonna do it. Nothing you can do about it. What do you think of that?
3: Yeah, I kind of had a rough time too.
1: <laughs> now, I've danced around it in a few episodes, but this is the one where I allowed myself. Okay, out of 178 whatever episodes, I'm gonna say one time don't have one. This is this is the this is, this is flawless. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I have can a bad thing. Go ahead. What do you got? Well. Cisco meeting with uh Greython Tolar. Mm-hmm. Oh the uh, the blue the, guy, the, right. the blue guy who's the sort of uh Holosuite director where well, mm-hmm. you they used to fake it.
0: Garrick's
1: middleman.
2: Yeah, he meets uh, Cisco meets him and says uh, well, but this isn't a federation thing it's you know not it's strictly off the books of the yeah, federation. Yeah, it's personal for me. Yeah. Why don't you just not meet him and not say anything about the federation then and have Garrick deal with it all?
3: Probably a good idea, yeah
2: yeah
1: that's one of those times where dramatically it's more interesting, but it doesn't make complete sense no you way. you
3: want to keep this all compartmentalized
1: right like yeah.
3: uh although maybe he doesn't <laughs> as far as this guy should know, he's only working for Garrick right
1: I love though it does it does lead to a great scene where. He's being threatened by Cisco and then double threatened by Garrick, yep. and it's like bad cop, worse cop. Yeah. Like there's just there's <laughs> nobody he can turn to for help from the other guy because they're both scary.
3: What is this bad cop? Bad cop? No, it's bad cop, worse <laughs> person who has no actual authority and can therefore do whatever the fuck he feels like. Yeah. Oh God.
1: Bad cop and professional torturer who doesn't even have someone watching over him anymore.
3: Nope. Yeah. The uh, the line "I'll come by your quarters to check on you later" is terrifying. Wait, it's after <laughs> after
1: Cisco has him up against the wall, and he's like, "I don't care. I'll kill. Or I'll I'll send you back to Galron and have you executed." And then then okay, it's over. Everything's calming down. And then Garrick
2: says,
3: "Okay, now go
1: back to your quarters. I'll be there later."
3: <laughs> ah.
2: Yeah. Imagine how Julian feels when he says that to him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's got a certain different meaning when he says it to Julian. <laughs>
1: Hopefully there's a role play element there then and not just straight on, you
3: know. Ugh. Have you decided on a safe word yet, doctor?
1: Not nothing to do with Star Trek. In my experience, the best safe word is stop. But anyway. Uh what was your bad thing, Matt?
3: Um this kind of makes the rest of Star DS9 and Star Trek in general uh little less uh little less awesome. Just the fact that it's kind of, oh, it's all kind of downhill from here. We're never going to quite get the, uh, get this good ever again.
1: I I agree, but there's still some great war stuff co- to come. Oh, definitely. Like, this doesn't, like, the end of this episode isn't, and now we won the war. No. The war's still happening, and there's still a lot to go.
3: No, but it's, the, the episodes themselves are just never going to be quite this perfect.
1: Well,
2: that is true. Um... Let me ask you this. Do you agree with Sisko in this episode?
3: Oh totally. I think he made absolutely the right decision. I don't think you can stick to I don't think you can win a war with the Cardassians and the Dominion, who were both the sneakiest motherfuckers in the universe, and not be willing to play dirty yourself. I I
1: don't know, actually, because like, would I have done it? No. Did he do the right thing? Probably. Like, they're, they're two different questions, I think. Cause...
2: I think from where he was at the start of the episode to where at the end, if he, if you'd said that to him, he would have been a bit... He probably wouldn't have agreed with it. But because it mm-hmm. was incremental steps yeah. Oda, time... Or uh,
1: Garrick just kind of led him along. Yeah,
3: it's, uh, yeah, the entire episode is all about, well, just if I do this one tiny bad thing... It'll save lives. If I do, okay, one more step and it'll save lives. One more thing. And then by the end of the episode, he's recounting everything he's done that is horrible.
1: Well, and Gav, you pointed out that this is the horrible, dark version of that other episode.
2: Oh, uh, in the cards. The the one where there was basically an RPG. uh, Yeah, first go on this side
1: quest for me and I'll go do the, you know, like. Yeah. Like, every goal requires a sub-goal of something else that you then have to go do another thing for, and so on mm. and so on.
2: But, uh, and I love those episodes, so it's any, no yeah. wonder that I love this even more. It's yeah. just taking that to a dark extreme.
1: Yeah, because he has to pay Quark to be quiet about
2: this, this criminal
1: that's running around the station.
3: Yeah, that's another great scene, by the way.
2: Yeah. Well, I feel yeah, like... Okay. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I thought at the start, when I saw that, it would have been better if... Tolar had killed someone. Yeah,
1: and we were then, talking about that during the episode. they had to cover
2: that up. Yeah, um, but then I, I kind of like the fact that you had to make a deal with Quark. Mm-hmm. But then well, and kind of the like...
3: fact that Quark is taking so, such obvious pleasure is like, oh, you want this <laughs> hushed up, huh? Well, I think we can work around that. Yeah, he
1: Well, he basically says, you're you're finally becoming like me. <laughs> Oh, you're. And you can see. You can see the look on Cisco's face, like, "Oh God, I am."
3: Uh, oh, you're gonna bribe me? <laughs> well, uh, let's not call it a bribe. Let's no, no. We'll, let's call it a bribe.
1: Please, call, come on. I've been waiting for this day for six years. Let's call it a bribe. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the I'm thing surprised is, it was so. It was so uh, that Quark didn't ask for more. To be honest with you, well, I, he only asked for is, a couple I, of I, things, didn't he? I
1: I feel like Quark, while he would take advantage, wouldn't take complete like. He knows how far is too far with yeah, Cisco. no, like he, he probably doesn't want to, you know, push it. You too can
3: much. you can push this so far and get away with it and still be, amuse yourself, but he's still gonna live here.
1: Yeah, and I think that the scene was very indicative of where both characters have come since they first met each other. Yeah. Like like Cisco has realized this is the best way to deal with Quark. Quark has realized I'm not going to completely take advantage of this human because, yeah, he controls my business and my fate and yeah. everything else. But
3: uh, I think we can still—I pu- think we can still come out of this stabbing doing pretty well.
1: Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I'll come out ahead on this
3: one. <laughs> so,
2: you but,
1: stabbed hey. him in his head. As <laughs> <laughs> long as it's not his ears, he's fine. My ears. Yeah. No, I just, uh, particularly, like, as, as an indicator of how far Cisco's come, because he used to be totally just super racist and disgusted by Ferengi, and we've seen him get a little better, like, start to quote the rules of acquisition, and now yeah. he's to the point where he's like, okay,
2: bribes, this isn't great, but this is
1: what I gotta do now, yep. so how mm-hmm. much, Quark?
2: Yeah, no, he's as disgusting as the Ferengis. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's that's compromise. <laughs> I'll just
2: live in the gutter with you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's so much better than being a smug future man who's like, ah, oh, we're we're so much better than you are. Like, no, just roll around in the mud.
3: We're from Starfleet. We don't lie.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, Wesley, maybe you should have done a an internship with Cisco. You might not Pro- feel that way. Probably anymore. would have
3: helped out. Maybe you would have stuck. Maybe you would have stuck in Starfleet for a while.
1: Plus, Wesley's killed the guy. Cisco has never directly killed a guy. No, that's true.
2: <laughs> he has indirectly killed four hundred and fifty people. <laughs> yeah
1: but saved, you know, billions of lives in the uh, in the process.
3: I mean, accessory to murder. What is that really?
1: Yeah. Do they do they give him Nobel Prize to uh, accessory to chemistry? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not the quote. But... <laughs> uh, let's see what else. You got a lot of growly Cisco here, which is my favorite yep. kind of Cisco. Just angry Cisco really delights me. And
3: I don't like your hat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's not bring that into this. Come on, <laughs> we're enjoying ourselves here.
3: I learned that apparently Federation ships have skippers.
1: Oh, that's that's not
3: new. That was a surprise to me. I've never heard that one before. Uh, they used it in early
1: original series.
3: Seriously? I'm
1: pretty sure somebody called Pike Skipper at some point. Oh, maybe. That's just like that's like it, Navy. Was, it, was that just before he
2: left?
3: Yeah, I, th- I assumed that yeah. was a term of affection.
1: I mean, he's obviously not skipping now that he's in the wheelchair. Prior to that. <laughs>
3: How you doing, Skipper?
1: What no, about what, Barbie's gotcha. sister? Beep beep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? I I love that the Federation are the dishonest ones, not the Dominion. Like the Dominion, as far as we can tell, honor their treaties, and yeah. the Federation are the ones like completely just lying to their to their enemies and trying to make them allies. And yeah, exactly. I, know, I
2: like that. Well, yeah, they honor their treaties so much that Cisco. Insisted that the Bajorans take up a treaty with the Dominion. Mm-hmm. Right. And now he's trying to break another one that they did with someone else. Yep.
1: Yep. I mean, in fairness, we've seen them, you know, infiltrate places as changelings. We've seen, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we saw them doing stuff with the Orion Syndicate. Like they're not beyond some well, some shady backdoor dealings. I
3: think I think they'll play. They're more than willing to play dirty. But uh, you know, if you're on their side. And you're doing the you're doing the job they want. You're right. You should be okay. It's that uh, it's that uh, the changeling philosophy. It's like just leave us alone. You know, as long as this is working, we don't right. care. We don't care.
1: Yep, I agree. Uh, what else? Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
1: oh, at one point I thought like there's no possible way the Dominion would ever break away from this. Like really costly war to go attack someone else who doesn't expect it that would never oh wait hitler stalingrad never mind
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it kind of reminded me of the zimmerman telegram from i think it was the first World war which was a, basically a telegram that that uh one of the germans tried to uh get mexico to attack america
1: really i don't know about to
2: that. uh so that they'd, uh, you know, but, but America were neutral at the time, and it was the kind of thing that got America involved in the war. Mm. Oh,
1: yeah. No, that that sort of thing, like, I, I know the Germans a couple of times turned people against them that were mostly neutral, like the Russians, like, just, they were going to stay out of it. And so, yeah, this kind of thing happens sometimes, so it, it wasn't that unrealistic, I suppose. Mm. Also, you pointed out, Gav, this is, the
2: again, a time we've seen Wayun where we haven't really seen Wayun. No, I think the last I don't know three or four times we've seen Wayu now. He's been either imaginary or on a hollow or right in, in people's dreams. I don't know. That sounds creepy. <laughs> no, uh, it was uh, but, but yeah, it
1: was the last step of the uh, section thirty one episode where uh, Bashir saw him as a as a holodeck recreation. Yeah,
2: and there was a time before that. It was an it was another. Mm. It it wasn't it wasn't real as well. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. It, it,
1: just, it feels like the producers love Jeffrey Combs and they love that character so much they want to show him again. Mm-hmm. But they can't quite fit him into the, uh, into the plot. So they're like, uh, here, holog- hologram. Yeah,
3: it's fine. We'll
2: keep yeah, you working, Jeff. I suppose you didn't strictly need him in the episode. No. But, yeah, it's good to see him there.
1: I mean, we could have seen, you know, an actual changeling. We could have seen just Damar. Like, they, they could have done a lot of different stuff. No, it's it's great seeing. Mm-hmm.
2: I do like that bit where and when they were sort of deciding what the meeting was going to look like that they were reco- that they were faking, where Cisco and Garrick basically discuss character for the people in it, saying, "Yep, oh, it looks better now that we have made them bicker." Yeah, exactly. You, you, because you can, you can even imagine the Deep Space Nine writers saying that. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. This scene is too safe. There's no conflict. We need a little more like disagreement here. Yeah, so that's so much better.
2: And then and then Jean pipes up. Yeah.
1: From beyond the grave
3: Don't do it
1: Well,
2: there's just a sweater vest Floating in front of us here
3: Avenge me
2: Have Cisco go go back in time And save JFK Uh,
3: Someone has to save JFK hmm? A boogity boogity Really
1: though, this is is where Really he would say boogity boogity, huh? Yeah
3: He's a a ghost,
1: isn't he? I, I guess you're the ghost expert here I don't really know Darn right you better save all that expertise for when we get to Voyager.
3: Yeah, So many ghosts.
1: <laughs> yep. Oh,
2: uncountable.
3: But, but at least Bever doesn't have sex with any of them.
2: Well, we don't know that. I mean, Gavin, oh, he's seen them. Huh? Oh, God. There are a couple of episodes that remind me of that one.
3: Oh, what <laughs> the Anyway,
2: heck? hey, in the pale moonlight, we don't need to talk about Voyager?
1: No, of course not. <laughs> the... Okay, so in the pale moonlight is a reference to Batman, okay. and that is I... all. Is it? <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. It's not. It's not that they are both quoting some work of literature or something. That's what the quote is from, Batman.
3: That that line is from Batman eighty
1: nine. <laughs> yep. Oh no, that. But why? Yeah. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, because they want. Like, it's in the popular consciousness. When you hear that line, you think about the devil, and you think about Cisco's deal with the devil. Like, it's it's nice and evocative. Yeah. Oh but, right, gosh. But it's not from literature. It's from Batman. <laughs> Typically they'll quote,
2: you know, like Shakespeare or something like that. Um, Yes. So so it's basically Cisco dancing with the dip.
1: Yeah. Which is, again, it's a nice bit of symbolism, but (laughs) it's strange that they're quoting a a movie from
3: 1989. All it does is make... it just makes it better. Yeah. Yeah. All it does is make me want to see Garrick fuck up a museum while Prince plays.
1: (laughs) Well, we had a listener... Uh, draw a picture of Gul Dukat as the Joker from yep. one of our discussions from before so mm-hmm. it's not too far
3: Cardassians about. and Joker makeup it's a yep. fucking good idea
1: new and improved Joker product <laughs> of course the sequel to this episode would be mistletoe is dangerous when you eat it <laughs> yeah
3: well they can't all be perfect <laughs> hey don't
1: insult don't insult Batman Returns in front of
2: Gav yeah I was to will, uh, say unless Gav's here in which case yeah you fucking, will regret it yeah it, it's it's the best it's the best yeah. movie with returns in it anyway. uh,
3: i
1: suppose that's true only because hey. i can only think of one other one
3: hi ben i'm Wei Yun's hand remember me <laughs>
2: <laughs> there was a bit where um Garper's was explaining his plan and saying we, we say about the data road that so many people had died who tried to get it to us and i mm-hmm. think was both and spies
3: Hmm? Yeah, many Bothans died getting us this data rod.
2: Many
1: Robothams died. Okay, fuck you. <laughs> That's what it sounds like.
3: We worked damn hard for that data rod, damn it.
1: <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting as he's rolling down the list of people who have died, he doesn't mention the initial, like, Cardassian agents that he gets killed at the very beginning. Yep. Who might have been his friends or at least his colleagues. Like yeah. It's weird that he leaves them out.
3: Cisco's so like, I didn't know them, not my problem. Yep. I had like I had a lot of friends who died getting this, you know. Whatever, not my problem.
1: But Vreenek he came to my quarters and had a drink, so that that's you know Now we're friends. Different. Yep.
2: He thinks he drank. I just gave him my uh my mouthwash.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Tastes just like Romulan ale.
1: Yep. I like they called it uh califal, which I like. That's probably the Romulan word for Romulan ale.
3: No, that's what you say before you rip out a Romulan's heart.
1: No 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 no. That's that's Kali
2: Yeah.
3: I was close. I think.
2: That's Something what you like. say just before you brush your teeth. <laughs> yes.
1: It's hard to say with a toothbrush in your mouth though. Kalimald. Kalimald. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anything else before we press on?
3: Uh No, I think we can press on, Nails.
1: Do we uh do So so I maintain that this may be the best episode of Star Trek of all time. What do you guys think as far as overall?
3: I I I would agree it, with I that.
2: I think it yeah. is. Okay,
1: because I it's... I said that at the beginning, and I don't want to speak for all of you. No. I, to... I might have to go no, back I, and watch the Dooms... it because it was.
3: I might have to go back and watch the Doomsday Machine again because that's my other, my other mm-hmm. one. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this beats that.
2: Fair enough. Another another one of mine would be the Drumhead. Yeah, that's from, a good one. From good Tng. One. Yep.
1: No, I mean I have some that are really really close, but I think. Just in terms of everything that I love about Star Trek. Yeah, you know, Measure of a Man's about...
3: way up there. Yeah.
1: I, I For me, like, uh, the Tholian Web and, like, um, Darmok. But, but this one, you know, yeah. just a little bit better. So the thing is, all those other episodes
3: really are about what Star Trek is about. And this is not. Yeah, and usually <laughs> we is... don't like that. No.
1: Usually when it takes a, a strange turn into uncharted territory, it's like, uh, that doesn't really work. But mm-hmm. here it's like, whoa, repercussions. This is different.
2: Yeah. No, but, but this is about what Star Trek's about. And How do you By mean? showing you what it's not, what, that's, no, just that's... doing something that's not about. It's showing you that it is yeah. what it's about. Yeah, that is a good point because the whole and
1: conflict that... is that he's violating those yeah.
2: morals. That's why he's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: No, if it was about him gleefully doing this, then yeah, it would be not what yeah. Star Trek No, that's that's right. Garrett's job. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so pressing forward now to an episode that could not be less like this. Shh. And yet still isn't bad. No. Uh, his way. So, the cuckoo Charlies of Deep Space Nine groove on <laughs> over to Projectorsville to lay their dimmers on a ring-a-ding new program cooked up by their pally, the station's chief croaker. Which is to say, Dr. Bashir apparently saw Swingers at movie night recently, because suddenly he's into Sinatra Rat Pack crap. So he drags a number of his friends to a holo-sweet simulation of an early 60s nightclub. Here is that list of friends in order from most to least likely to enjoy this sort of thing. Dax, O'Brien, Kira, Odo, and Worf. Mind you, only one of these people is even from the same planet as this simulation. But that didn't stop Julian from playing fake James Bond, and it's certainly not going to stop him from introducing everyone to his new friend, fake Frank Sinatra. Meet Vic Fontaine, a lounge singer who somehow tries to position himself as the coolest guy on a station that houses a sexually ambiguous super-spy, a first-class detective with shape-shifting abilities, and a woman who lived seven lifetimes and is accepted as an equal among the Quadrant's fiercest warriors. Yeah, sorry Vic. My dad is cooler than a lounge singer, and my dad is about as cool as the average dad. Vic, for his part, is aware that he's a hologram and can read the entire group at a glance. He can tell that Worf and Dax are in love, that O'Brien misses Keiko, and that Odo is interested in Kira. Also, he can wander in on other Holosuite's programs uninvited and make phone calls to people out in the real world. This is all pretty cool, I guess, but again, this is DS9, and we grade on a pretty steep curve here. For some reason, Odo decides that Vic's advice is exactly what he needs to win over Kira, so he morphs himself into a 400-year-old costume from an almost completely alien <laughs> culture and learns to play a type of music that even now in 2015 feels a bit dated. Then he puts on a stupid little hat, starts calling Kira milady, and using the not all men hashtag because he's a nice guy. And damn it, nice guys deserve something for skulking around like creeps and waiting for women to like them. Somehow this works and they kiss because why not? It's late season six and God forbid we leave any possible romantic tension stone unturned before the show ends. Presumably Odo will get his shit together, stop acting like an idiot men's rights activist and let Kira into his heart and into his head. Upon which there'll be no trilby at all. <laughs>
3: God damn it.
1: I was so proud of that. <sighs> Not a terrible episode, but there is a bit of a bit of an undercurrent of I'm a nice guy, why won't you have sex with me?
3: Yeah, no, there's a lot that I really as someone who has been waiting for Kira and Odo to get together for a while because I think they're delightful. I really mm. like this episode, but there are a lot of things in this that Odo does that are just downright creepy.
2: Okay, so or, how do we or, feel or about stupid. Odo and Kira together? You obviously like it. Gav, what do you think? I think they're fine when they're together. Uh huh. And when they're friends, it's just a bit in between. Yeah. Where, where he's sort of courting her? Where he's courting her like he's never become a human before. Mm. That's true. He did spend and like he, a year as that. a human. And he's just sort of shocked at everything that goes around. Mm.
3: Not nearly as shocked as he was when that piano started playing by itself. (laughs)
2: Yes. A piano that plays by itself, and he acted like, oh my god, this is witchcraft. What sorcery is this? And it was on a holodeck.
3: (laughs) Oh, Jesus!
1: (laughs) You're surrounded by technological wonders that would make people in this setting, like, freak out.
3: Whereas the player piano has been around since the 1800s.
1: Yeah. No, that is a bit silly. I don't love Odo and Kira hooking up. Like, I think they're okay as a couple, but I feel like a bit like you felt, Matt, about uh, 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 Scully and Mulder, which is like a little bit of tension is fine, but you don't have to hook everybody up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's it. not everyone has to be a couple. Sometimes there can just be a little undercurrent of, of sexual tension,
3: and that's all. And I yeah. was okay with that. So no, I, I, I normally, it doesn't... I, go ahead. I normally agree with that, but uh, in this case, I just love those two.
1: I understand. Well, you, they're they're like your two favorite characters on the show. That is true. And you'd like to see Odo happy. Yes. I I agree with you there. It's just I don't know. We already got Dax and Worf hooking up. I don't like when they start hooking up everyone in the main cast. Mm. I feel like, like I said, like I said in my summary, I feel like that's a thing that shows do sort of late in their runs where it's like, well, everyone needs a romantic partner now. Well, like, mm.
3: we got to do that at the mid-series so that by late series people can start having babies. That that yeah,
1: that would be uh, just as bad, actually. Yes,
2: I, I agree with why they they uh sort of hooked hooked up, um because of how the series finishes up. I think it was um one of the writers pointed that out uh, in the Memory Alpha. But mm. I'll not spoil anything.
3: No, well, if, if we can talk that we can talk yeah. that in the spoiler section at the end if you want.
1: Sure. I actually must not have seen that because I'm not I'm not thinking of what you're mm. talking about. But we'll we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not. Like I say, it's not bad, and I do think it's interesting the writers never intended to do this. It all started because Rene started playing it that way. Yeah,
2: like, exactly. Do you remember that?
1: Back in, like, season two, he started playing it like, oh, I'm into Kira. Yeah. And then they started writing to that. I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, and I think
3: we've gotten some really good stuff out of it. I agree. But,
1: on the other hand, I don't know. I, I, I Gav makes a good point that he's a bit out of character during all of this.
2: Mm. It's just, uh, yeah. For a detective, he's not that bright. <laughs>
1: I I do think that's kind of supposed to be the point. Whether or not it works, I think the point is, you know, it's it's that standard trope of you're so smart about this, but you're so dumb about basic emotions. Yeah.
2: But the but my bad thing is the literally worst thing is he can't tell the difference between Kira and a hologram.
1: Yeah. Surely no, by this you, point, be he's known tell. her for yeah. ten years or whatever. Yeah.
2: You can tell the difference between a human and um like light. Yeah. You would think.
3: No, you. I would believe that like 10 seconds into that day it's like, oh wait, no, you're the real thing. Yeah, that whole... My confidence, no! That whole last
1: <laughs> act is a bit problematic. Like the whole the whole deal is that Vic Fontaine makes K- Odo think he's like dating Holo Kira as a practice thing. Yeah. And it turns out it's real Kira, and he's using the confidence of not knowing it's her, and he's so much better, yeah. and I get that. But it's it's
3: a little creepy. I, well, yeah, I mean, when he starts making out with, like...
1: I don't even think he makes out, like, because I said sex, and Gav said, wait a minute, he doesn't want to have sex with her. And like, okay, fair point. Mm. He's, yeah, he's just he using her
2: as a rehearsal for right the main course.
1: <laughs> but he's still willing to make goo-goo eyes at her, and, yeah. and oh, yeah, I, I don't remember don't if they actually it's... kiss or not, and... It's still creepy.
2: It's not, it's not as creepy.
3: No, it, right. it could be a lot worse, but it's still pretty. Uh, it's
1: like it's like going to your friend's Facebook page, printing out a particularly <laughs> attractive picture of them, and then kissing it. Yeah, like, that's not don't,
3: okay. Yeah.
2: Wait, that's I, not okay.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> if you, well, this is know. embarrassing.
3: Excuse me, I have to go. <laughs> get, I have to go uh, use a paper shredder.
2: <laughs> it's okay. It's why my uh, Facebook picture is my hand over my face, so people can't do that. <laughs>
1: It's a good plan. If if you go to that picture of me and Matt actually making out at our uh, sarcastic voyage panel and Photoshop yourself in over Matt, maybe that's
0: a little. <laughs>
1: of... Oh no, I, I, I would in.
2: Photoshop myself in over both of you. <laughs> well, th- 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 anyway, that's a, a whole other on. thing.
0: <laughs>
3: I don't want to look at you two gross people. Yeah. <laughs> now there's an attractive Gossip. man.
1: <laughs> I wonder if there are people using the holodeck to make out with and maybe go further with themselves. There must I,
3: I maintain that in an infinite universe, well, people Barkley. are using the holodeck to have sex with everything.
1: Okay, but I don't even think yeah. you have to take yeah, it as far that, as an internet rule,
2: isn't there? What's that? What's that internet rule where you can find anything? Oh, if you
3: think of something, there is porn of it? Yeah. Oh, rule 34, yes. yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it's going to be that of the holodeck, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, how many people are using it to masturbate, but just with a hologram of themselves? Like, that must be fairly common. Like, that, that doesn't have to be an unlikely thing. Yeah,
3: that wouldn't surprise me.
1: I mean, I, you know, if I didn't, like, if I was more into myself, I'd totally. Because <laughs> <do that.
2: laughs> if I didn't sicken myself, that would be. Yeah, fun. exactly. I didn't
1: think I was horribly disgusting. I was, you know. <laughs> I just start changing things until I turned into someone I found attractive. Yep. Uh anyway.
3: Oh, so that's what I'd look like if I was good looking. Uh,
2: huh. They probably get a hologram of themselves masturbating and just punch themselves while they were while they were while the hologram was doing it. <laughs> stop God, it, I, you're, I hate myself. I hate stop myself. Stop it, you're disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Which is um, probably a thing as well. Oh,
1: probably. I'm taking self abuse to a whole new mm. thing. <laughs> um, but really as far as we're talking about all this creepy stuff, that that is my bad thing. I think Odo is kind of a creep with a lot of this yeah uh and and it's the enlightened you know in the enlightened 21st century a lot of the stuff he pulls is really not cute no it's, it's stocky and unsettling but I, on the other it's weird because there's a weird it straddles a weird line because some of it is genuinely sort of cute but like if you just think about it a certain way yeah and i don't know like it put me in a weird position because i i like it character wise
3: but i don't like some of the stuff he's this doing. is it's not unprecedented though we've seen stocky odo before yeah, and I didn't like it then either. No, I'm just saying it's not it's not <laughs> cool, but it is in character.
1: Okay, that's fair. But Kira's okay with it. That is, is not I okay. That is
3: that Kira is not the type of person who'd be all like, "Oh yeah, that's fine." Yeah. In fact, she's very, very against her uh, her image being used in uh, hologram. Uh, oh, that's true. Oh yes, we, we, yes. Th- th- we've seen that episode.
2: Yeah. Yes. Nice citation.
3: Mm. Yeah. I know my shit.
2: <laughs> citation needed. Citation
1: given. <laughs> yeah. No, I I like um, and that takes me to Quark. I like that Quark covers up for Odo in this. Yeah, Odo's like using Bashir's program, and Bashir comes in to use it, and instead of saying, "Oh, Odo's in there," he's like, "No, all the Holosuites suites are full. Sorry, gotta gotta come back another time." Have you considered getting drunk instead? Yeah, he doesn't like. He could make money off of this, and he he's totally sacrifices that to protect Odo's privacy, yeah. and that's
3: that's sweet. No, we but um, Odo,
1: Quark actually chooses like abandoning profit to help his friend. Yeah, no, That's we... kind of a big deal.
3: We, um, we get the closest Odo and Quark are best friends scene we've gotten since, uh... God, it would have been that one where... The the last one where Odo was freaking out over being in love with Kira. Oh, yeah. He's having a little temper tantrum in his room, and Quark comes down and be all like, just get fucking shit or get off the pot, man. Yep. But, um, no, it's to say, this episode opens with, uh, them discussing it in, uh, Odo's office. Yeah, and it's not he's like Quark just... is
1: there because he's in trouble. He's there to talk to his friend about his girl troubles.
3: No, that's great. Like fucking Odo's. Odo's like, well, I didn't ask your opinion. And then Quark's like, well, then why are we talking about this? I came in to complain about a about some some crime or other.
2: Right. But but Odo invited him there so we could talk to him about the program.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, so he did. But even still, he he goes right to the to the cure thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And their relationship has, has like, I don't say, I don't think it's evolved. I think their relationship's where it's always been, but I think they're more demonstrative now than they were a couple of years ago. Like, they're more open about it yeah. now. And I like that. But they've always been best friends.
3: How you doing, Quark?
2: Yep. How you doing, Quark? You're sick of me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a friendship I have with quite a few people, actually. Yeah, pretty me much. Me too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, we just heard him leave the room. <laughs> oh, he's still
2: in the <laughs> room. Ah. he's just watching TV three feet away
3: <laughs> and staring at me, which is unsettling. <laughs> yeah. Uh Gav, what was your good thing?
2: My good thing was the music. All the oh uh, yeah, all the sixties uh, crooning uh, Frank Sinatra music, by way. Did they play My Way? But Fever no, was in it. And, no, they uh, didn't
1: do My Way. They did Fever. They did uh, Fly Me to the fly Moon. Fly Me to the Moon. Uh, um, uh, Under My Skin. Yep. Yeah. All the I, Like, real just, songs, not like fake ds And not Fly Me to the Moon, uh, come fly with yeah, me. Yeah, they were actually... Come fly with me, that's
2: it. Yeah. It yeah. They're they still great songs, because last year I got uh, Frank Sinatra's Greatest Hits. I just downloaded that and listened to it. Uh-huh. And I just thought, these are really good, just to, you know, listen to Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
1: No, and it is sort of classic music. Like, you don't have to really be super into that era. Those those songs are kind of timeless in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, when they're done well. Like, when you hear them done by whoever popular now, that doesn't age well. But, no. you know, the, the original, like... <laughs> but
2: insert popular fun now.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I was thinking of the just before Sinatra died, he did that duets album, and some of those were not great. No, like... they were not. When he tried to show he was relevant by doing a, a duet with Bono or whatever, it just didn't didn't go
3: well. But this Frank but Sinatra never words. needed never needed to prove that he was relevant.
1: Yeah, that's
2: the thing. No. Yeah, but don't want to t- prove anything by pairing with Bono. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't even mind the only Bono, thing that <laughs> The only thing you prove
3: by saying with Bono is that you're also a dick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I stand by early U2 as being good music, but regardless... He didn't need to do that to prove anything is my point. No. Like his his versions were already the definitive versions. He was he was fine. Yeah. Yes, it's
2: um, just a pity he's saying uh t- uh something stupid with his daughter.
1: Yeah, that's that's a little creepy.
2: <laughs> yeah, speaking <of> creepy.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, Sinatra certainly was not like like uh, allegedly, if there was such a thing as a mafia, which there isn't. But if there were, he may have been connected to it. <laughs> Who says there is? Yeah, no, There's no such thing as the Mafia. Come on. But if there is, we'd be big supporters of it.
3: <laughs>
1: um,
2: this podcast is sponsored by the Mafia.
0: <laughs>
3: A like Mafia culture. production.
2: <laughs> by waste Apparently cleaning they... services. <laughs>
1: B- blend in catering. No, wait, that was, that was actually the CIA. Um... No, there's, there's uh, apparently the producers at one point had uh, approached a number of established crooners to be in this. I want to say Tony Bennett and like Tom Jones, I think, and actually Frank Sinatra Jr., who uh, he said, I'd love to be on the show. And they said, Okay, great. Well, we want you to play Vic Fontaine. No, no, I don't want to be on the show as a version of my dad. I want to play like a Klingon or yeah. something. And they said, Nah, pass.
3: I just saw Iggy Pop play that uh, Vorda. He was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize musicians <laughs> could be aliens. That's great. I want to do that. Yeah. No, I just I think it's cool that he wanted to be on Star Trek. Yeah. And then when they did when they, they told him what the part was, he's like, "Yeah."
2: So they never got him back as just a, as a random person. Uh, a random not alien. on this show. I don't
1: Was he on Voyager? Oh. You've seen all of Voyager, so I don't know.
2: Uh, not that I recall. Hmm. But he may have been.
1: I know he <laughs> I know he did appear on uh, the Sopranos as himself. Which I always thought was fun. I believe
2: he
3: was on uh, Family Guy as himself too. Ah, oh, nice. Not really, but uh...
0: <laughs>
1: fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't always love Family Guy, but sometimes they they use that stuff pretty well. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, the music was was quite good, and like I say, I'm glad they used the real songs and not, you know, like safe.
3: No, we were we were talking about how you were surprised they didn't use uh... just write some uh, some lounge music for. Uh...
1: It's not hard to write shitty knockoff lounge
3: music. Yeah, but this episode works so much better if it's real, because like there are actual full-on musical numbers in this episode, and they all work.
1: Yeah, and usually it's like, ugh, this feels like padding, but
3: it works. Yeah, right. No, no. Um, fucking Odo playing the piano, great scene. (laughs) Yeah. uh,
1: After he after he's done freaking out about it, playing (laughs) stuff. Oh my god, no! (laughs) Kill it it with fire. (laughs) Surprised he didn't just like morph into a giant hammer and smash the piano
2: or something. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, that would have been a great scene as well.
3: Yes, yeah, so yeah it was, I would have been fine
2: with that.
1: Just crazy overreacting <laughs> until the thing is just dust in front of yep. him. <laughs> yep. That would have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, what was your good thing?
3: Um, I really there's a lot I love about this episode, but um, just the the scenes where. <laughs> the scenes where Vic's teaching Odo how to play the piano and, like, setting him up with girls and doing his fake dates and stuff, is mm-hmm. really, I, I love all of that, all of those scenes. I love Odo learning to really enjoy all of this weird 60s Las Vegas stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels, uh, on the one hand, it feels a little out of character for Odo, but on the other hand, it feels completely in character for him. Like, he just finds this thing and just sort of embraces it. Well,
1: we know Chief O'Brien got him into sort of, like, crime noir stuff, so him being into mid-20th century Earth stuff is not yeah, out it's of character not, already. that
3: is not a big jump. Yeah. and
1: I mean, it is a bit different, mm-hmm. but it's in the same sort of basic area, I think. Mm. I
3: also, I really, uh, before, until it starts getting creepy, I really love the Kira and uh, Odo date. There's some just really sweet well, if, stuff if you, in you there. ignore
1: the underpinnings of it, yeah. the, the, the character stuff, the two of them together. Uh-huh. Like Renee and Nana have really good chemistry. They do, and and playing especially Gav and I were talking. This is you dropped off the Skype call accidentally at this point, but Gav and I were talking about how the um, the dialogue at the very end when they end up kissing on the promenade.
3: Oh yeah, that's a great thing, yeah. too.
1: Is very sort of classic old school rom com banter. Yeah, like in a good way. Yeah, like I really. Where like they're like yelling at scene. each other.
3: Yeah, no, that yeah. that would have been my quote if this was my episode.
1: Yeah, no, it's good.
3: Yeah. And, and, uh, also, uh, there's a scene where, uh, Kira does some, uh, crooning. Yep. Which is also pretty good.
1: <clears throat> I like that while Kira is, like, she's basically a one-note character. She does have an arc, but she's still angry chick that becomes less angry. I still like that over the course of the series in The Now Visitor, between Mirror, Kira... And the Russian spy in the arm Bashir and this really gets to play a broad range of stuff. Oh, yeah. That's really good for her, I think. Mm-hmm. And she must be having fun with this. Oh, I'm
3: sure. Well, she we were looking on Memory Alpha. She specifically requested to sing Fever because it had, like, uh, I guess a friend of her mom's or her grandmother's or something had actually sung it.
1: Yeah, she grew up with someone singing this and being sort of inspirational to her. Yeah. Like, like, that's what she thought of as kind of grown-up sexy. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And yeah. No, I like that.
2: Sisko's uh-huh. um, also a good singer. Yes, there's a is. Scene oh, with God, him, that scene was so great. Him and Odo sort of, sort of randomly singing just while he's waiting for a report.
1: Yeah, Odo delivers the report to Sisko. They're standing in his office, and he just starts humming. And then Sisko picks up on what he's humming and starts singing along. Yep. That's
3: another really great scene. It is. It's delightful. I just... I really love this episode. Yeah. It's got... The flaws in it stand out and kind of bring it down quite a bit, but, you know, you get past that, and it's really, just, really nice.
2: It's just, yeah, fun. Yeah. It is. And, it's and again, nice, after... Yeah, it's a after, nice
3: follow to, uh...
2: Yeah.
1: Well, if if they had done another sort of dark intrigue episode after that, you'd be comparing it. Mm. You'd say, well, this this is okay, but it's not nearly as good. So they just went a completely different direction, yeah. and that, that that helps, I think. It's just a small character story, mm. which, you know, I tend to like. Um, my good thing. Yes. I like that something that was a dangerous bug maybe 10 years ago, Moriarty becoming self-aware is now a feature. Like between Vic Fontaine and the the holographic doctor on Voyager, this is something the Federation is kind of doing on purpose now. Yeah. And I like that they okay, this was dangerous when, you know, when it happened to Data, but uh now uh, it's it's cool cuz now he's your your holographic
3: pal, your plastic pal who's fun to be with. Yep. <laughs> Although the fact that now anyone who has who anyone who's a good enough programmer can just create life is a little worrying. That is. Although yeah. I guess anyone who's a good enough programmer can create life anyway, it's pretty standard for everyone in the universe.
1: Yeah, and anyone who has the right genitals can do that now. Yeah.
3: So, yeah.
1: No, I don't know. I just I like that someone probably just isolated the code that made Moriarty self-aware and just is now using that in interesting ways. It's like
3: what if we program this guy to know he was a hologram but be fine with it.
1: Yeah, he's not a he's not a villain who's trying to destroy you. No. He's just a fun guy who wants to help you with
3: your love life. And really likes singing. Right. Aww.
1: Now Gav, you kinda of disagreed with me on this, didn't you?
2: Yeah, kind of. I just don't like how easy it is now that they've sort of created Yeah, it's just created life and then they're fine just turning it off and on again all the time.
1: I think I think that just comes I with just like think... when you do when you do a story about something shocking. You, it can't continue to be shocking. It has to then eventually become normal. Yeah. I think is what that is.
2: Hmm. The but thing is, this pre- is a conversation, Karen. Uh, no, go, a conversation will no, happen, happen on Voyager. We'll ah, yeah, yeah. be having a lot more on Voyager.
1: Well, that's that's an ongoing thing there. I think. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Here we see it in a, in a different context. Although this guy will pop up a lot, as as we all know. Yeah. That's that's sort of a going forward, not great thing. This character was fun in this episode, but the producers like him a bit too much, and he shows up a lot in the next year and a half, and we all kind of get... Very
3: often in places he should not be, which I've talked about before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, He sort sort of
2: becomes becomes like the 10 forward. Yeah, a little bit, actually.
1: Which is weird, because I see how Julian's into this, I see how Odo kind of comes to be into this, but nobody else... Yeah. Like I said in my summary, all these people are from other cultures. Mm. Like, wouldn't Kira want to see something cool from Bejor's past, or wouldn't Dax want to see some trill thing? Like, why are they all just fine with this?
3: Yeah, get us back to the uh, founding philosophy of Star Trek, which is that Earth is the best of everything. <laughs> and of Earth course, in, Earth out in the
2: 1960s is the best of everything.
3: Well, yes. yes. So inevitably, we're going to have
1: someone just doing a hollow sweet recreation of Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Like of classic Star Trek
2: episodes. Yep. Yes. And, and uh, then fun. and then Kirk will be so happy because people will be having holographic sex with a holographic recreation of him.
3: That's <laughs> all I ever wanted. Yep. <laughs> must have been must your life. been his lifelong ambition.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have uh, fun. We do, but we learn things too. Yes. Um, Gab, did you say your bad thing already?
2: My bad. Yes, the, uh, the Odo stupid thing.
1: Right. Um, Matt, what was your bad
3: thing? <laughs> okay, so near the beginning of the episode, uh, just that we have uh, Chief O'Brien and Julian discussing Vic over drinks while Odo eavesdrops in the background. Um, now, these characters have all just spent the entire evening together, and now everyone's going to bed, but as the scene ends, they walk right past Odo without acknowledging him. Now, that is very rude, and it's not the first time I've ever seen it on Star Trek. Just a brief goodnight Odo would be fine, you know? That's... That's the, not the first time you've seen that
1: on TV. Sometimes TV just focuses on two characters and then sort of deliberately fades everyone else into the background. Yeah, that's...
3: it bugs me, though. Eh, it's your enough. friend who you were just talking to. And just walk right past him.
1: Yeah, I I think that's just the device that they use for storytelling where they have to, like, okay, now these two characters are talking, we we now ignore everything else. It's a device
3: they use for rudeness. <laughs> Al, They're not
1: mutually exclusive. <laughs>
3: Oh, you right. just walk on by. That's fine. Whatever. Good night, Chief.
2: A... <laughs> chief Dick.
3: <laughs> what an asshole! I don't feel bad about stealing your hologram program.
2: All right. Anything else? Uh, no. No. Kev? Uh, no. Right. People don't say think enough, but that's it. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> people don't say think enough oh fink yes that's what uh, Vic Fontaine said but that's it
3: uh, it's fink <laughs> over here
2: well speaking of speaking of Fontaine
1: speak uh, my quote is a delightful little bit of sort of like Spockish. like uh, uh, I'm saying a thing and you don't understand what I'm saying yep. which is this
2: if you're gonna work Vegas in the 60s you better know the school otherwise you're gonna look like a Clyde a Clyde? a Harvey you know Harvey? a square you know what a square is, right? That's well, one side of a cube.
0: <laughs> well, I guess that answers my question.
1: And I just found that delightful. That actually—that reminded me of what was the one episode? I think it was uh, uh, the Way to Eden, where
2: they call everybody Herbert. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, uh, is it that the one with the hippies? Yes. yes. Yes.
1: The one that I didn't completely hate.
3: For no, some it was reason. better. Than, it was actually surprisingly better than we thought it would be.
1: Yeah, it was the only decent Chekhov episode. <laughs> well, it's not for me. nuts either. here, but. Well, and, of course, Walter Koenig hated it. <laughs> so there's that. All right, so that is all for this week. Uh, it's all downhill from here, as Matt said. Yep. Stick around, so, though. We'll still have fun. Oh, we we do have fun. Um, And speaking of shows that are fun, Gav, why don't you tell us once again about your other show?
2: My show, which I do with another guy called Gav, is Drunken Time Travel, drunkentimetravel.com. Uh and it's Doctor Who with Beer and Fun. And we're working through the original series and we're on John Pertwee at the moment, the third Doctor, and Excellent. it's Fun. How uh, much
1: longer do you have with John Pertweek? Because after that you have Tom Baker for about a hundred years, right?
2: <laughs> we I think we should be on to Tom Baker next year. Uh-huh. And then you'll be with and, him. And him until then like we'll be with him or two or three uh centuries. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now I was ta- i can I've talked to a few people recently about Doctor Who for various reasons, and everyone says Tom Baker is their guy because when that show came over here, the the bulk of the reruns were Tom Baker episodes. So the chances are you were going to see him.
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of people say the same here, mainly because he was for on for so long. Right. And he is just so good.
3: Well, yeah, he is very good.
2: Yep. He—he he is the Doctor. Yes. Like, in um, real life, he's as mad as as that. <laughs>
1: Uh, to to plug something that I've worked on with actually sort of a well a Doctor Who connection and a, a tangential Star Trek connection, uh, I was recently privileged enough to speak with the writer David Wise, who wrote for uh well he wrote for Transformers was how I sort of came to know him. He also wrote an episode of the Star Trek animated series. He's also written one of the uh star uh Doctor Who audios. And Gav asked me to ask him who his favorite Doctor was. We had a nice conversation about that as well as about a lot of other things. That will be posting as part of my More Bits uh, podcast on uh, April 18th, April 17th. Uh, That will be posting at more-bits.com or on iTunes, so check that out. It was a a fantastic chat that I had with him. That was delightful. Mm -hmm. All right, let's let's leave now. See you, folks.
0: (laughs) The
1: Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.